it has been a while. It has been a while, and I'm excited um, for the opportunity to brings God bring God's word before you this morning. And um, you know, this month we have been visiting the theme for the year of becoming one, what that could look like and could be. And so this image came to mind, and I we were trying to get a slide, a picture of it, but it didn't come. But I know you guys can envision it because as we heard earlier in the text in Isaiah of the lion and the lamb, I'd like you to think about that image for a moment. Picture it. I know you've seen the pictures, you know, throughout stores and stuff of this great big lion, right? And this little lamb laying next to him. Just picture that. This peaceable kingdom where harmony between all orders of creation creates a new Eden-like community. This is a future vision casted clear back in Isaiah that we need to be reminded of that perhaps suggests what leadership and community and God's people are directed to look like. But this image, this image of something so drastically different one in one entity so large and grand and the other so small and delicate, one full of bravery, one a little bit more timid, one considered at the top of the food chain, the other at the bottom, the image of a calf and a lion, and then to add on to that, right, a yearling playing near a cobra's den. And what adult in the protective right mind would allow a child to play alongside a venomous, deadly snake and watch them put their hands into the hole? Seriously, what kind of craziness is this? What upside-down thought process is happening here? Now, my thought process as a pastor goes to other images as well, okay? And if you are to mimic community in God's order, then we are to add alongside the lion and lamb these other images that seem disconnected in our thoughts and our minds today. Perhaps some of these images are not a big deal to you and what it looks like as a community. Perhaps for some of you, if you are honest, you might struggle with it. But adding to this image of the lion and the lamb, let's add into refugees, handicapped, those in prison, alcoholics, drug addicts, this color, that color, this gender, that gender, this church, that church, this political group, that group. And yes, I'm still referring to those who are Christians, those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, and yet bring to the table an upside-down, messy story. That is perhaps different from us, but yet it's a redemptive story. Could it be this vast array of discourse, these differences be exactly what it needs to be as God intended it to be of what describes his church? Messy and upside down? Today we come to one last text, or at least, you know, for the month, looking at what becoming one could look like. So if you would please turn to me to with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 
And if you are able to stand out of reference for the reading of the word, you may please do so. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, shoo. You may be seated. That should answer it, right? Well, let's revisit Paul here first in this letter he has written. We know that Paul is sitting in prison, and I would imagine feeling like he can't simply sit still and not say anything to his fellow believers and co-workers. We know that this letter is not intended for one single church, but multiple and what we read in the book of Ephesians, at least the first three chapters, if you were to go back, are reminders to the Jews and the Gentiles as they have begun attending and worshiping. No problems are being reported, but Paul apparently has a concern and wants to remind his readers of who they are in Christ. The last three chapters of Ephesians 4 through 6 are actually all reciprocated from Paul's first three but for today, we're going to focus on the ones that we just read and hear from Paul what I believe he is wanting to convey to his friends and to remind us today as well. And that is simply to stretch our thoughts and think a little bit bigger and perhaps upside down to what it might look like being one with Christ, becoming one. The bigger picture that God sets before us is usually upside-down approach anyway, right? So why should this one be any different? And what we have, we have read here, are the practical side of the bigger picture, the list of things to have or to grow and to remind of as a Christian. So what can we learn from the practical side and be reminded of in the bigger picture of things? You know, because there is no magical or unforeseen wording here. So we can't go and make these words into something else. But we can do, as Paul was suggesting to begin with earlier in this letter, is stretching our minds and our thoughts and viewing what this body looks like, this unity as believers might be. I'm convinced that God was the first upside-down CEO of a company. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, it basically is a company that runs things backwards and differently from all traditional companies. Some are ran by their employees. Others assist groups that are on the brink of despair. And basically, it comes down to relationship and people over profit. I think that kind of describes God right there, right? His goal, God's goal and desire in this upside-down world would be just that that the contrary forces that we interact with, work with, 
commune with, the ones we have differences with, may actually be complementary, interconnected, and interdependent with one another that within itself is a really beautiful thing. And it is this upside-down looking image that makes up the church. This is a complete yin and yang, dark and bright, opposites attract, interact with each other thought. Church, us, we're messy, and we're upside down, people. Let's be reminded that Paul is talking to Christians about other Christians, those who have reconciled themselves before God and follow his teaching. This letter is meant for us. And while those he was writing to were free to walk and demonstrate the virtues of Christ that were freely given to them, which they had accepted, by the way, Paul prays back in chapter 1 for them. In verse 1, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call. Paul's heart so wanted them to see the bigger picture God still had for them. It is with this acceptance that they committed to that Paul reminds them that they conduct themselves with humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another with love. It is almost as if they had been acting naughty, and Paul knew it from the inside of his cell as I read it. There's like this extra set of eyes on them. But I like how the message version reads this. The message version reads it. In light of all this, here it is, what I want you to do. While I'm locked up in here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. No messing around. Just go. Paul isn't messing around here, even while he's in prison. He wants them to continue to move forward. And when I read these next few words that follow that, I do feel a bit, a little bit less pressure, a little bit more a side of relief. Because in verse 3, make every effort. Make every effort. The message version puts it this way. Not in fits and starts, but steadily. In other words, we have to keep or put forth doing what we can and keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make an effort, not an excuse. The seat of Christian unity is in the heart or spirit. It doesn't lie in one set of thoughts, nor in one form of and mode of worship, but in one heart and soul. It doesn't mean that we all have to completely agree on issues at hand, but perhaps come to a place of laying those things aside and acknowledging the things that we do agree upon. Now, I know we come here with different experiences and and different backgrounds, 
different ethnicity, different contexts and stories that shape each one of us into who we are. Good or bad, they still shape us. And with all the differences, we do have a common ground. And amongst all the other issues out there, the church should be the place that we can bring that division together. Right? If I'm honest, we definitely haven't been perfect in this area. We have failed at times. But as we are stretched and challenged and reminded, least of who we are and who we represent, may we remember, learn, and grow into the people, the church that God has called us to be. And it continues on in verse 3. Preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. Preserve the unity of the Spirit. Now, the church at Ephesus was composed partly of converted Jews, as well as Gentiles. Now, from the different manner in which they had been brought up there, there might have been frequent causes of altercation. I would imagine that a few Jews okay, might be envious that the Gentiles were admitted to the same glorious privileges with themselves without being initiated circumcised by the law, I would imagine there could be a bit of envy and hurt and jealousy and unfairness if you had to be circumcised because the law said so, but they didn't have to be. Now, parents, um, for an example, out of some jealousy issues, all right, how many of you heard one of your children say something like this? Your older sister gets to stay up later than you. Well, your brother got money for his birthday and you didn't. Nick always gets to be the line leader. Your friend brings her ball to school but won't let you play with it. And your friend lets you cut in line in front of him at the drink line. Now, here's my favorite. This is personal. Okay, I heard more stories from my children upon how fair we raised each one of them. In all fairness, they were all different in their own right, with their own personalities and their own quirks, that we had to create probably some things that did seem unfair, but at the time, it needed to work for them, right? And it was best to do that. Fairness isn't about everything being equal, right? We know that as grown-ups. But it does demonstrate preserving unity and hopefully peace amongst each other. And I say that cautiously. Um, I say that with God's perspective, okay? That he knows all and he sees all, all fall far better than what we do. Back in chapter 2 and 18, it said, we both, I paraphrase, we all have access to the Father through Christ by one spirit. The one spirit, not the spirit that necessarily shows fairness in all circumstances or speaks only to you or 
or to you or to that group over there, but one spirit who knows all and sees all far beyond ourselves. Preserve the unity of the spirit with the peace that ties you together. The peace. What is this peace that ties us together? Well, Christ. Christ is our peace. Jesus died for both Jews and Gentiles, for all of us, and has become a peace offering to reconcile both to God and to each other. He didn't separate us into, no, not you, and definitely not you. Maybe. Nor did he say, I offer you peace now. Go your own way and don't mix. We are one body, one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. One body, one church, universal Christian church under God's lordship. We are each individual and unique churches, all with our own unique, creative, and right way. One Lord, who is the CEO of this church, one faith, one system, proposing the same objects to the faith of all, one baptism administered in the name of the Holy Trinity. So our unity derives from the fact that the one Father creates the one family, the one Lord Jesus is the focus of the one faith, hope, and baptism. And the one Spirit created in the one body equally the triune God of Trinity. When we think of our actions, our thoughts, taken away from those who have a different experience than us, we take away from God himself. We take away from the head of the body. We take away from allowing God to work with, through, and in all the differences. Amazing upside down workmanship. And at the same time, right? So here's my human side asking, okay, Lord, but for how long? Because you know that I'm impatient, Lord, and this person is driving me crazy, and that person does not deserve to be treated nicely. And do you know what they said and did? And that one over there? Well, how long? If you were to read further in chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, until, until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Did you know that we as Christians, we're not perfect? Say, what? Say that's not true. Please say that's not true. Come on, we know we are not. But God's goal for us is to become mature adults. <laughs> I know that is probably a bit hard for some of some of the others in the other places on the other side over there, you know. And some might be thinking, no problem, I've got it. Or good grief, I'm never going to make it. 
the word tells us. We are not to aimlessly stay as children. We are to grow and grow in our faith. We need one another in order to do that. We need one another even when our differences and our struggles challenge our faith. When we have fallen and when we have sinned, we need one another. We are to grow in our understanding of a bigger picture that God has in mind. Now let's clarify something first. Unity, becoming one. It's not just a matter of a loving attitude or a feeling, although that is still good. It is an understanding the truth about knowing God's Son and coming together to celebrate in the breaking of bread, worship, baptism, celebrating the one thing that we do have in common, Christ Jesus. Now, I honestly don't know how long or what it's going to take to see a utopia of the imagery of the lion and the lamb. But as a body of believers, and by the word of God, we'll continue to make an effort and accepting each other with love and perceiving the unity of the Spirit of God. I ask that you have the power to grasp love's width and depth and height together with all the believers. That was Paul's prayer. He prayed for them knowing that they were going to have challenges. He wanted them to go out with this bigger picture of what God intended. Width, length, height, and depth. All believers who come from different backgrounds know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Isaiah 11, 9, back to that image, reminds us that they will neither harm nor destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. May we be reminded that all of our differences, all of our backgrounds, our experiences, Creating this messy stuff here that's awesome and it's upside down. And what a privilege we have to come alongside each other and to be able to worship. As we prepare to even participate here in the baptism, remember there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God over all, through all, and in all. And as we have heard these words this morning from the Lord, we come with excitement and participate with a few who are candidates into the sacrament of baptism. And from what we just heard, it will be our part of the body as becoming one alongside them in guiding and walking and teaching and encouraging them. It'll also be a time for us becoming one to be reminded of our own commitment 
before the Lord and perhaps renewing ourselves back to the body of Christ. So as we transition into the time of baptism, let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, I am just so grateful that you bring your word. And Lord, we, perhaps some of us have heard this word many times, and there's nothing to be stretched or taken away from what you have just given us. But Lord, may we be reminded and stretched to step out of our comfort zones into a place that um, might stretch us. May we have the image of becoming one and accepting and um, walking alongside of each other with patience and humility and, and love and peace. Lord, challenge us and guide us, God, as we go and walk with others. In your precious name we pray. So, exciting times are ahead. I'm excited to hear how the Lord moves through the year. So, as I invite the candidates for baptism to come forward, I encourage you may have a seat up front, baptismals, Jessica, Jaylee, you guys can come. Angelica, yeah, you guys go ahead. You guys can come up. Family and friends, if you want to join alongside of the wall and to get a better view or picture, you are welcome to do so. And then when your little one is being baptized, you're welcome to step behind the baptismal so you've got even a better view of the actual baptism. This is exciting. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up? I'm going to ask you guys a few little questions to start off with. Yeah, you can face them. They all want to see you. Okay, okay. Angelica, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and come on up. We'll ask you guys all at once so we don't have to do this multiple times. All right, this is the simple part, right? And we'll walk you through it. Dear friends, baptism is the sign and seal of the new covenant of grace, the significance of which is attested by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans as follows. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace-sovereign country. So, will you be baptized into this faith? If so, answer, I will. Okay, very good. I heard all of you. They will. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And do you realize that he saves you now? If so, answer, I do. I do, I do. Ooh. Will you obey God's holy will and keep his commandments, walking in them all the days of your life? I will, I will. Yeah, I answered, I will. 
Right. Um, this is a, a covenant between congregation and, and baptismal tenants as well. And so I have a question. I have a few questions for us as a congregation. Do those of you who witnessed these vows pledge to support these persons in their life in Christ? If so, say, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. <clears throat> with God's help, will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? If so, answer, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. And will you surround these people? You may not know some of these people, but will you surround them tactfully and lovingly with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and may be found faithful in their service to others? If so, will you answer, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. This is important to me. Will you pray for them? Will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? So answer, we will with God's help. All right, now uh, I'm going to invite all of those who have been baptized before to stand and confirm your baptism. Um, I like, like when I attend a, a marriage, it's, it's a neat time to re, re-signify my commitment to my wife. Um, let us, those of us who have been baptized, join with those who are now committing themselves to Christ today and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, answer, we do. We do. Amen. Please have a seat uh, and pray with me for these candidates. God, thank you so much for these folks that have said, I choose today to be baptized into the faith of Jesus Christ. I want to lift them up to you each by name. I lift. I pray for Caden. I pray for Yaretsi. I pray for Juliana. I pray for Jaylee this morning. God, would you be so close to them? Would you anoint them with your presence? Would you draw them closer to you, Father? Thank you for their choice today. Thank you for our chance to celebrate with them. And I pray as they come out of the water that they would hear from us our cheers and our celebration and it would all be interpreted as love for them as they walk their journey with you, Father. Thank you so much for this chance to, to allow them to make this covenant and to, to allow them to start this journey uh, with Christ and to be baptized into the faith of Jesus Christ. We pray for them this day and ask that your presence be with them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, there's no special magical thing about this water that we have, right? I mean, we didn't add anything to it. It actually came out of the sink, so Mountain Home just blessed the water, right? But we want to add an extra blessing upon the water, so we will pray. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt and into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your son, 
He bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And oh my goodness, this water is warm. My kids would have, are going to be so jealous when they know that they got baptized in a horse trough. And these guys are in a hot tub, literally. This is awesome. So, Lord, now we sanctify this water, we pray, by the Holy Spirit. We, will you be honored and glorified now and forever? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to start off with... Uh, the baptism of Caden Winings. And so I'm going to invite him to come on up. Um, and I just had a chance to meet Caden. Uh, was it? It was Thursday. We met um, and just talked about his journey and his, uh, his desire to be baptized today. Um, and so I had him write down a little bit about his journey. So he writes, the fall of 2019, I decided that I wanted to be baptized I want to follow the path that Jesus has chosen for me and fulfill that path. Jesus died on the cross to bear our sins, so we will follow his path of righteousness. Ever since my grandma passed away in 2016, I have been feeling that being baptized is something I really wanted to do, not only for my grandma, but for other family members, for myself, and for Jesus Christ to dwell within myself. Over the past couple of years, I have felt like there has been a burden on my shoulders telling me that I needed to be baptized, but I have ignored it until now, and I want to get rid of that burden once and for all and follow the path that Jesus Christ has made for me. What a testimony, huh? Amen? All right, Caden, you can go ahead and climb in there, and I'm going to have you sit down on the floor. All right. Um, Yuliana comes to us today to be baptized as an infant. Um, and infant baptism is a little unique, something that we honor. Uh, but we in the Church of Nazarene have always understood the necessity uh, for parents to make important choices for the spiritual welfare and the development of their children. For those who choose infant baptism over dedication, there is a significant moment of grace involved. Not that we convey grace in the sacrament, but that we proclaim the prevenient grace of God that covers this child from the time of birth and even before birth. It is a symbol of the covenant that exists between God and the church. We believe that God has incorporated this child into his body by prevenient grace, but we are not determining for this child what his or her choices or what her choices will be later in life. So Debbie has a couple of statements, and Angelica is going to answer. He presents this child for baptism. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? Thank you. 
Will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full statue of Christ? So then so far, we have. Will you pray for me? All right, Pastor Trent, you get the special honor of holding a baby. Get extra hands up here. All right. Liliana's bonus. It is by this. We'll baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We love you. Oh. You continue. All right. All right, sister. You're up next. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take this sweater off. I'm going to get sick. <laughs> well, while she is getting ready, um, go ahead and come on over. That's right. So it has been a privilege to be able to um, speak with your Retsy and to hear her story and all that God has done within her and her life and um, walking alongside mom and grandma and grandpa. So this is a great privilege. Are you ready? All right. You want to get inside there? You're in a big crib. All right. Pastor Trent will help. Are you ready? Yep. Well, see how warm that is? Right. Ah! Ah, oh, see, I told you. She was all worried. Okay, get down on your knees. Turn sideways. Okay, get down on your knees. Turn this way so they can all see us in the picture. Okay, and Adriana, we got to set that so you can sit and enjoy the back. No, she doesn't want to go. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. You ready? So put this hand up over here. Loretzi Ramirez, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yay. Awesome. All right. Angelica, you can follow her out if you want to. That's totally fine. All right. Miss J. Lee, you have a story. Her testimony is going to be read. So come on over here, J. Lee. Come on over here and stand with your mom. Do you want to sit in here while your story is being read so you can enjoy the warm water? Everybody do it. Do it. Go for it. Go ahead and step in there. See how warm that is? All right. Adriana has her testimony that she will read. Hello. My name is J. Lee. I am nine years old. I love God because he created me and wants me to have and wants to have a relationship with me. He always answers my prayers and helps heal my tummy when I am sick. I want to be baptized because I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. I am proud of my relationship with God and want to show other people. I want to continue to grow closer to God and follow his ways. All right. Jaylee. 
baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, as we conclude today, we're just going to close with the uh, closing song and worship. I have uh, so enjoyed this chance to celebrate with uh, those who are committed to following Christ. So our closing song today is uh, I Will Follow. I just thought it was a fitting a fitting song to describe the choices that were made today uh, by those that, uh, those that were baptized. So would you stand as we sing the, this closing song today? Please extend your hands out for the benediction. Go into the world with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love and the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace in the name of Jesus, who is the bread of life. Now go, and you're dismissed.